This morning, I am going to be sharing my testimony. Um, and my desire is to share something with you that, that shows you that victory is possible, that we can live a life where Jesus is living out his will within us, um, even if we come from a history as dark and stained as mine. Um, I am going to be talking about some mature topics today. I'm going to be talking about total purity, um, and that is going to include sexual purity. And so I'm going to be touching on some things that historically in the church we have shied away from talking about. Now, I assure you I'm going to strive to share those um, in a way that will paint the true ugliness of sin. And um, my humble prayer is that it will not glorify sin in any way. But I feel like we need to be talking about these things because we can't just pretend like they don't exist. And uh, we need to be presenting them in a biblical way so that our young people are receiving the knowledge um, from God that he can provide, because otherwise they're getting all their information from the world, and that is, um, that's scary, and it really isn't safe. So before we proceed on, um, let's just say one more word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I am so grateful for the privilege and the honor of being here at ECYC this morning and sharing the story that you have given Lord, it's your book, I am just the pages. And I cannot convey these deep spiritual things on my own. Spiritual things are spiritually discerned, so I need you to uh, fulfill your promise from Exodus 4.12, where you told the stuttering and stumbling Moses that his part was to go, and you would put your words in his mouth. And so I ask you to do that for me this morning. And I ask you also to give spiritual discernment to each and every person here this morning. May they not only hear a story of transformation, but Lord, help them to see the spiritual object lessons, the spiritual implications of the story along the way, and help them to see how it relates to their life and how they can apply these things in their own journey. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So I usually start from the very beginning. I really think that the photos add an extra dimension so you can really understand exactly where I was all along the way. So I start from the very beginning. My first love was music. I came into a home where my parents were struggling in their marriage. They were not planning on having another child. My sister and brother were already six and eight years old when I came into the picture. But nonetheless, I was a happy baby. I was always loved. And um, my mom says, as soon as I was able, I was always singing and dancing everywhere that I went. And um, we will talk more about my experience with music all along the way. Um, Just like technology, music can be used for good or for evil in this world. I think we're all intrinsically designed to have music as a part of our worship experience. And it's easy to um, to use music to worship the wrong things. This is actually a quote from a magazine called The Advocate. Now, this is a pro-gay magazine. And Madonna was interviewed and asked about her hints towards homosexuality in her music videos. And this was what she said. She said, they, meaning the viewers, will digest it on a lot of different levels. um, 
Some people will see it and be disgusted by it, but maybe they'll be unconsciously aroused by it. If people keep seeing it and seeing it and seeing it, eventually it's not going to be such a strange thing. And I think she kind of understood something that us as consumers might not always understand, that um, the subconscious mind had been studied for almost 100 years at this point, and they were using it at first to sell their products, but now also to sell their views. And this is happening more and more in the society that we live in today. And so this quote would have been taken around the same time that I was watching her music videos on MTV. Now, we didn't have Jesus in our home, but we did have the world in abundance through television and radio and um, Hollywood movies. I'm going to turn away from that influence and look at a more holy one. This is found in the book Appeal to Mothers on page 11. She says, Mothers, you cannot be too careful in preventing your children from learning low habits. It's easier to learn evil than to eradicate it after it is learned. Neighbors may permit their children to come to your house to spend the evening and the night with your children. And here is a trial and a choice for you. To run the risk of offending your neighbors by sending their children to their own home or gratify them and let them lodge with your children and thus expose them to be instructed in that knowledge which would be a lifelong curse to them. Now, when we look at this quote contextually, how it's found in the context of the chapter, we see that this lifelong curse that she's referring to, she's actually talking about what she calls self-abuse. The medical term that we use today is masturbation. And my mother didn't know this counsel when I was growing up. Unfortunately, I was permitted to have frequent sleepovers, and this did bring a curse into my life at a very young age. My parents divorced when I was six years old, and we moved into some low-income housing. And it was there in that development that I met a young girl. She was my same age. Um, But she told me some things later that led me to realize that she was actually being sexually abused by someone in her life. And so she was learning things about her body that she should not have known. And as a result of those experiences, um, she started sharing those things with me. And so I also started learning things about my body that I shouldn't have known. So I started interacting with the same sex sexually at the age of seven, And masturbation soon became an addiction for me. This was a stronghold in my life for many years until eventually I gave my heart to Jesus and he established me in victory. My mother and my sister found out that my relationship with this girl was not quite what it should be. They didn't know the extent of what was going on between her and I, but they just didn't know how to approach the subject. I think a lot of us, um, when it comes to sexuality, we... In the world, we just joke and laugh about it because we don't know how to be serious about this topic. And so that's what they did. They started um, poking fun at me and and making jokes and saying, Danielle kisses girls, ha, ha, ha. And um, you can imagine how humiliating this was for me. Now I was even more confused. And I thought this was something I needed to be ashamed of and I needed to hide. And so I made... uh, the decision in my mind that no one else would know about my feelings or practices, even though they continued and other girls came and went as the years went by. When I was nine years old, I was actually baptized. I had been attending church unfrequently with a family friend. And the pastor sat us down and he said, do you believe in Jesus? And we said, yes. Uh, Do you want him to be your savior? And we said, yes. So we were baptized. Um, But for me, as I wanted to be a good girl, I wanted to do the right thing, 
I had learned a little bit about sexual purity by this time, and so I wanted to stay a virgin till I was married. And I uh, didn't want to do alcohol or drugs because I had seen the way that alcoholism had interrupted my, my family's experience and been a big factor in my parents' separation. But unfortunately, I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. I didn't know how to make um, those promises real in my life. Um, and to have a relationship with someone, what do you have to do? You have to spend time with them. You have to talk with them. You have to come to know who they are and what they're really all about. Um, you have to come to trust them. And through that trust develops love and commitment. And this was not an experience that I had had with Jesus. I only had a superficial knowledge of who he was, and I really wasn't making that commitment to him on that day when I was baptized. And so those promises that I made to myself, they melted away very quickly. And we'll see this in my story. Within just a few short years, I was really struggling with depression and trying to just figure out who I was in the world, where I fit in, and what my place was. I was struggling with depression because I was realizing that I couldn't be that good girl that I wanted to be. I was making a lot of bad decisions in my life. I was choosing the wrong friends, and I was getting into trouble already. And, um, you know, I had gone on and then off of antidepressant medication. I had started smoking cigarettes when I was only 11, and by this time in my life I was smoking habitually. And, um, you know, I just... I was really, really struggling with the person that I wanted to be, but the person that I actually was. And in that place in my life, I was, I was trying to fit in somewhere in, in the crowd. And I moved to Washington State, up in the Pacific Northwest, where kind of anything goes and everybody lives out loud. And I was seeing some fringe groups that I wasn't exposed to growing up in Wyoming. Um, and so I was intrigued and attracted to some of these French groups like uh, grunge punk and industrial goth. And I saw there were people who were living out loud when it came to their same-sex attractions. And maybe this wasn't something I had to be ashamed of and had to hide. And at this point, I started learning about the Bible. We moved in next door to an Adventist family. And One of their sons took an interest in my older sister, and so we started spending a lot of time over at our house, imagine that, Um, and we started studying the Bible eventually after she went to church with him a few times. And my sister says, I don't remember this, but she says that sometimes I would just cry, and I would say, people need to know this. Why don't people know this? Um, But, you know, it's it's interesting to me that um, I don't remember having said those things. I don't remember that I started sending my mom literature on the Sabbath because I knew that she loved God and his word, but she didn't know the joy of the Sabbath. And, and um, I had forgotten about that too. I think that as we, as we walk out of the safety go- zone that God has created and we start experiencing the things of the world, Satan does everything that he can to forget us uh, or to cause us to forget the things that we have learned about God and about the Bible and about Jesus, our Savior. And so I was becoming blinded by the influence of the world. So while my sister was choosing to be baptized and to follow the light that she was receiving, I, on the other hand, was aligning myself with a very dark and scary path. And I think that the great controversy describes what was going on in my heart and mind. 
It says on page 555 that by beholding, we become changed. The mind gradually adapts itself to the subjects upon which it is allowed to dwell. And I was definitely being changed by the things that I was beholding in the world from those avenues that I said were very prevalent in my home. And music, I feel, was my gateway into this dark and scary place. I remember the night that that shift happened in my mind, and I was sitting on the couch and I was saying, you know what, I don't have to do what everybody tells me I need to do. I know the difference between right and wrong, and I can make my own decisions. What's the worst that could happen? I can be a little bit crazy. I was believing that lie that Satan tells. These things were not true. But I was believing them, and they were becoming my own. And I was listening to this CD over and over as I was thinking these things on the couch. And one of those songs said, We make this new religion to escape what we've become. Your signal's fading, so let go to face this recreation. And I was definitely being recreated, but not in a holy way, not the way that Jesus designed to recreate my life. And within just one year of that um, decision, as I was changing on the inside and that shift was taking place in my heart, I also started to change on the outside. My appearance slowly began to change as the days went on. And now not only was I struggling with depression, but now came in anxiety attacks and eating disorders, eventually suicidal thoughts. You know, making the decision to be liberated in my own decision and walking my own way actually made me a slave even more. It made me even more confused. It made me even more afraid. And that restlessness inside of me just grew. And by the time I was 16 years old, I had let go of all of those promises I had made to myself as a young girl. I had lost my virginity, and I was already addicted to marijuana. So I had lost sight of all reason to stay pure. And because I had shared those sexual experiences with my girlfriends growing up throughout the years, why was it such a big deal to share those things with the boys too? And this year... um, This is actually the girl that I was baptized with just a few years before, actually. And within this year, my 16th year, my father sat me down. He could see the the pictures on my wall and hear the things I was saying. And he sat me down and he said, Danielle, if there are ways in which you're different from most everyone else, that's okay. It's okay for you to be who you are. And no matter who you are, I'm still going to love you. And I think that's the attitude that we need to have towards people. But we have to have the truth with the love, right? And my father is not a Christian. He didn't know how to give that to me, the truth with the love. And so with that permission, I took on a whole new level of freedom in my life, not just in the realm of sexuality, but also in other areas of my life. This is a quote that I really feel um, helps us to understand this broken promise process that I had gone through. Your promises and resolutions are like ropes of sand, meaning they're they're not something we can hold on to. They just crumble when we grasp them. You cannot control your thoughts, your impulses, your affections. I had been trying to do that, but to no avail, right? The knowledge of your broken promises and forfeited pledges weakens your confidence in your own society and causes you to feel that God cannot accept you. But you need not despair. I wish I would have understood this last sentence right here. Uh, You need not despair when I was 16 years old, but unfortunately, I didn't. 
I didn't know that what I needed was to understand the true force of the will. This is the governing power in the nature of man, the power of decision, or the power of choice. Everything depends on the right action of the will. The power of choice God has given to men, and it is theirs to exercise. Unfortunately, I took that power of decision and I exercised it in a very wrong way, especially after that permission from my father. So I moved away from home. Not long after that conversation, I dropped out of school. Um, When I was 18 years old, I quit my job. I shaved my head into a mohawk and music became my idol. I say that because I was running to my music when I should have been running to God. When I was angry, when I was scared, when I was confused, when my friends let me down, when nothing made sense, my music was where I turned. My music was my source of solace and comfort. That's what I thought, right? But the music really just cultivated those feelings of restlessness. I didn't realize that I was in this vicious cycle. And uh, extravagant hair, makeup, and dress became my way of life. Because art and music were the only things that really made sense to me anymore, I wanted to be those things. I wanted to be art. And so um, I started frequenting the concert scenes out in Seattle. And so now as I was forming friendships with the band members that sang this music, now I wasn't only um, idolizing the music but also the band members. And I got sucked into the rave scene eventually. Um, And that led into other addictions, other drugs. And and I was really addicted to this heavy electronic trance music. I think that sometimes we don't realize that this unhealthy music is very addictive. This unhealthy music is a drug in and of itself. And my favorite costumes always involved horns. And eventually I just started wearing these to concerts and, and rave parties. But then I would wear them to... The, the grocery store on a Tuesday afternoon um, because now God and Satan were just a fairy tale and, and so why was it not a big deal to, to joke about the devil and joke about the Christians who actually believed in all those lies um, because I had, I had forgotten what I had learned about Jesus and about the Bible. I was pretty much a walking billboard for the enemy I started drawing stitches and song lyrics on my face and arms and legs. And the most frequent song lyric that I would write on my skin was, Remorse is useless now. And in this song, she screams out in a blood-curdling scream at the end of the song over and over again, Remorse is useless now. God doesn't want us back now, baby. God doesn't want us back now, baby. And she says it over and over. And it was, that was what was ingrained in my brain. I thought that I had walked so far out into my rebellion that God would never want me back. Like that that quote said, I didn't realize that I didn't need to despair. Mind, character, and personality describes the degrading process that I had gone through. It says, The mind of a man or woman does not come down in a moment from purity and holiness to depravity, corruption, and crime. It takes time to transform the human to the divine or to degrade those formed in the image of God to the brutal or the satanic. Do you see this being played out in my life? What happened to that little girl who loved Jesus and and wanted him to be her savior? She was buried under a lot of lies and a lot of garbage at this point. My nickname was Void, um, and that was pretty appropriate because I was so empty inside. I was so vacant because 
we all have a place within our heart that only Jesus can fill. And when we try and fill that hole with the world, we realize that it doesn't fill. It, it, it actually just leaves us feeling more empty inside. And that emptiness had grown and consumed me. And I didn't even really know um, who I was at all anymore. And I definitely didn't know God or the nature of the great controversy. But God spoke into my heart one morning. I was thinking about my life, and I heard this voice so clear and so strong. And it said, Daniel, you've got to change or you're going to die. It was a lot like the thought voice that I thought in, but it was different than anything that I had ever thought or heard in my mind before. And I knew that this was a call from the divine, as, as I would call it. I was actually kind of reading into Wiccan, Wiccanism, the religion of witchcraft at the time. And so um, I was flirting with the idea of maybe there was something going on in the universe. I mean, there were things happening in my life that I really didn't believe in coincidence anymore because there was, had to be something that was trying to get my attention. And um, here I was faced with this, this prominent thought in my mind, and I knew that it was a call to make, to make a serious change. And so I did that. I moved away from the city and back in with my father out in the country, and I started making efforts to uh, get off the drugs and to um, start reading into different religions and try and grow spiritually, find God. And um, I also went vegan at the time. You know, I wanted to see the world become a better place. I knew it wasn't what God designed it to be, so I was going to save the world one chicken at a time if that was the best I could do, right? <laughs> so um, I started making changes in my life at that point. And you know what? I know that, that this came as a result of my mother's prayers. She was praying intentionally, consistently, and specifically. She was praying, God, interrupt her plans. Interrupt her life. Convict her of her sins and help her to see her need of you. And these were the prayers that, that allowed God the, the freedom as a perfect gentleman to move into my life and to start reorganizing my priorities and, and interrupting my plans. And thus began my quest for knowledge in the new world, like I said, I was searching for spiritual truth, and so um, I actually found the, the New Age spirituality movement, and, and that was where I really felt at home, and I started settling in there. And eventually, I started getting into New Age healing modalities, and I wanted to practice those modalities, and I started getting into divination and aura reading and Eventually, that led to spirit channeling, and this was what I wanted to do with my life. I wanted to become a Shaw woman, right? So here I am, like, trying to get back on the straight road, right? But I'm overcorrecting into the other ditch on the other side of the road. Um, and even though I was obtaining all of this spiritual knowledge and, and all of this wisdom from the world, right, I still was wrestling inside. I still had this spiritual battle going on. I, didn't, I wasn't finding the peace and the contentment that I was hungering for. And I acknowledged the fact that there was a spiritual battle going on. There was a battle between self and ego and, and righteousness and good. And so even though I was finding all of this information, I still wasn't finding what I was truly longing for in my heart. Christ Object Lesson says, Many are sunken in sin. They long to find a solace for their troubles, and Satan tempts them to seek it in lusts and pleasures that lead to ruin and death. 
He is offering them the apples of Sodom that will turn to ashes upon their lips. I continued in this search, and in the history of my life, I mentioned my same-sex attraction and my same-sex interactions as a young girl, and these had continued through um, this phase, up to this phase in my life. And because I was more attracted to women, I was more awkward and shy around them, so it was easier for me to relate to guys, and so it was easier for me to develop friendships and then relationships with guys. So I was usually dating guys. Um, but I never er, entered into a relationship without saying, look, I'm more attracted to women, and so I can't be in this relationship unless you understand that I am going to be stepping out of the relationship, but only with women, and that's not something you can offer me, so it's not something that should make you feel threatened, right? I mean, when we enter into this realm, (laughs) it just breeds confusion, and when we're stepping outside of God's will for our sexuality, Um, we won't find the blessing that God designed to give us through that experience. He wants to teach us um, who he is. So as I was entering into a new relationship at this point with someone that I felt the divine had brought into my path, he was more open to my double-mindedness than the other guys had. A lot of the guys I dated said, oh, yeah, that's sure, that's fine, um, until it actually started happening, and then they'd be like, oh, this is kind of weird. But this one was open more than any of the other ones, and and this actually opened the doors for more sexual sin for me. Um, When we start on the path of sexual sin, it just, it grows. And I started getting into pornography and frequenting gentlemen's clubs, which is kind of interesting to me that they call them that because there's no gentleman there. Um, But, you know, I was just getting pulled deeper and deeper into this consuming addiction that was taking over my life. But nonetheless, my sister could see that my heart was softening because when I was running around with devil horns on, obviously I didn't want to talk about God, right? But now I was actually talking about spiritual things and I wouldn't get up and walk away when she would talk about God. So she started to invite me out to an Adventist institution. And that was really a challenge for me to make that decision. One of the biggest reasons was because that guy who I thought had the divine had led into my life said that if I left, he would end the relationship because he didn't trust me. And I thought, you don't trust me. I've never been unfaithful to you. Um, but now I look back and I never allowed the relationship to be closed. So it makes sense that he didn't trust me, right? Um, so when he said that he would end the relationship, this was really you know, is very codependent. I've relied on someone else to complete me because only Jesus could do that, right? And I didn't have Jesus inside, so I was looking for something, someone else to complete me. And so I really struggled with that decision, but long story short, I decided to go. And I was volunteering on the farm for the first four months of my time there. I I expected to just be there for six months, but God actually kept me there for three and a half years. And While I was out there in the garden, I entered into a full circle experience of seeing God's creative power in action. I would take that seed and I'd put it in the soil and watch it sprout. And then it would grow and it would start to flower and then fruit. And we would harvest those fruits and take them to the market. And as I was handing the fruit to that smiling customer who was saying, thank you so much, I was thinking, wow, this is amazing, you know, like, There's got to be something more to this experience than just these physical things that I'm seeing here and worshiping here as gods. There's got to be something more. 
And, the, and <clears throat> I was actually having the opportunity to see what it really means to be a Christian and what true, sincere Christians are really like because I had kind of made a lot of assumptions about Christians and that they were just hypocrites and that they really never walked the walk that they talked, right? I didn't really see a lot of Christians with Christ living in them. But here in this place, I was seeing that manifest. I was seeing people whose lives were transformed and were transforming in front of my eyes because of Christ dwelling within them. And this was powerful for me. And there was one person in particular that I saw the fruits of the Spirit within him. I saw this joy and this peace and this love and this gentleness that just exuded out from him. And every time I interacted with that man, when we would cross paths and then go our separate ways, I would think, I don't know what that man has, but I want it too. And so I decided that I was going to go to church that Sabbath when he was speaking. And he shared a message that day that interrupted so many things that I had come to believe. You know, when I thought about God, I thought about light and love and peace and joy. I didn't want to think about death and crucifixion and trial and tribulation, right? So the first thing he says when I walk in the church is, today we're going to talk about the crucifixion. And in my mind, I thought, oh, the crucifixion, why that? Anything but that. And then he said, and you, and you may be thinking, oh, the crucifixion, why that? Anything but that. <laughs> and when that man said what I had just thought, I knew that God was about to speak to me through him. And he started to describe sin as being those things that when we transgress the law of God, we are separated from him. And because God is the source of all life, when we're separated from him, the natural occurrence is death. It's just like gravity. It's a law of nature when we are separated from the source of life. Death comes in. And that made sense to me. I knew that there were things that separated me from the light. And he said that we deserve that death when we choose sin, But Jesus bore that death for us on the cross. And if we accept that sacrifice he's freely given, then Christ bridges the gap for us to come back to God in eternal life. And I spent the whole rest of the day wrestling with God and trying to to discern these things that were interrupting so much of what I had come to believe. We started to um, read into ministry of healing and reflecting Christ as I started going to the massage school there. At the institution, God opened the doors because he saw that my heart was softening even more, and he kept me there at that institution through the school. And as I read through these books right here, I started to see what it really means to be a co-laborer with Christ, what it means to be his hands and feet, and how we allow him to dwell within us and to live out his life within us. And these books really, even though I still wasn't open to listening to Um, a lot of what my friends had to say about God, these books gave me a private place to come to understand the nature of Christ. But eventually, God brought someone else into my life. His name's Tom Meyer, and him and his brothers have a ministry called Little Light Studios. And if you want to learn more about that, I have some of their um, resources available at my booth. I want to tell you more about it. For time's sake, I'm not going to tell you um, more about their ministry, but it's a powerful media ministry that shows the great controversy behind the scenes in Hollywood. And he, this brother spent two months at this institution, and when he left, he gifted me five DVDs um, that he has put together, him and his ministry. And the first one that I watched was called Magic Kingdom. 
And it was all about Disney. Now, Disney was my first musical inspiration, and remember, music was my first love. So I was excited to watch this, and the first thing that really spoke to me from that documentary was that, that Disney says, follow your heart, listen to your heart, let your heart decide. But the Bible tells us that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, that we can't know our hearts and we can't trust them. And then it started talking about spiritualism and occult symbology and witchcraft in Disney. And I thought, really, Disney, come on. But then I started thinking about my two favorite Disney movies growing up. One being steeped in witchcraft and the other being steeped in Native American spirituality. And I thought... Is it just a coincidence that the two religions that I'm most interested in as an adult is Wiccanism and witchcraft, uh, witchcraft and Native American spirituality? I didn't believe in coincidence anymore, remember? So I thought maybe these movies have influenced my views on spirituality. Then it started talking about how Disney portrays the woman's body. Whether you're watching an old Disney movie or a new one, they always have the highly hourglass figure. They have the very coy and seductive facial expressions, and the overly sensual body language. And as we look at those movies, not only do we see that in the human characters, but also the animal characters, right? And this documentary is just simply saying that creating this notion of femininity in a child's mind is unhealthy. But for me, the Holy Spirit spoke into my heart, clear and strong again. And this, the thought process went like this. Danielle, you've been programmed from a young age to view life the way that you do, to view spirituality the way that you do, and to view sexuality the way that you do, to view the woman's body the way that you do. It's not my plan for your life, Danielle, for you to be a lesbian. Because at this point, I had thought, you know, relationships with guys has been the easy way out for me. It's easy to fall into relationships with guys, but my attractions are really towards women. And maybe if I can find a woman to commit myself to, then maybe I'll be happy. Maybe I'll have a successful relationship. And so I said, you know, I must be a lesbian. But God said at this point, that's not my plan for your life. And this showed me, these documentaries each Five of these documentaries left me weeping because I was seeing that Satan is real. I believe that there was a struggle against ego, right? But I didn't believe in Satan. I saw that Satan is real, that the great controversy is real, and that there was a battle for my soul, and I was on the wrong side of the fence. And I would not be safe until I came over and gave my heart fully and completely to God. And somehow these truths that were portrayed through these five documentaries, they broke through the deceptions that had been laid through the foundation of media and Hollywood throughout my life. And I, come, I came to the point after that week of watching those documentaries that I surrendered my heart to Jesus. I surrendered my, my life to him and I said, show me that this is your truth from the Bible and show me that this is your church. And I'm not going to let everybody know that I'm really studying into rebaptism, that I'm studying into, into this church, because I don't want everyone else's opinions to sway my decision like they have all my life. I want to know from you that this is the direction that I need to move in. This is continued on from that quote that I read earlier that says, we need not despair, right? It goes on to say, you cannot change your heart. You cannot of yourself give to God your affections. But you can choose to serve him. You can give him your will. 
you will then work, he will then work in you to will and to do according to his good pleasure. Thus, your whole nature will be brought under the control of the Spirit of Christ, and your affections will be centered upon him. Your thoughts will be in harmony with him. And there was something beautiful. When I, I had tried all my life, right, to do the right thing, to be the good girl and, and to find my own way and figure out the universe and figure out God. But it wasn't until I finally surrendered my will to him that I finally gave him permission to come into my life and to take the things that were besetting for me that I finally started to experience victory. It was amazing because I said, Lord, I want to hand over every aspect of my life, including my sexuality, to you. And when I made that decision, after seeing those things from God's perspective, when I saw it from God's perspective, he pruned away those things in my life that went against his will. My desire for the things that went against his will melted away. And it was amazing because like two months went by and I realized after, after a, a season that I hadn't even thought about masturbation. And that was a stronghold in my life that, that had controlled me to such a great degree, a stronghold addiction like masturbation for 16 years, and then all of a sudden it's gone and I haven't even thought about it. That is nothing short of a miracle. And he did the same with the pornography and with the same-sex attractions. And that's not how it works for everyone. I'll tell you that much. I know that's not how it works for everyone. But God worked a miracle in my life to show that it is possible and that it is not our work. And that when we allow Christ to dwell within us, we are completely changed. We are made into new creatures. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. But I realized very quickly that I did have a part to play. In the journey, I had to continue to walk with him. And tomorrow, we're going to be journeying through what I've experienced since my baptism and what God has helped me to realize that I have to enter into with him, that continued surrender, that continued walk, to stay on that victory. He taught me also not to doubt my conversion. When the enemy would come in with his lies, I didn't have to doubt that my conversion was sincere. I could continue walking forward with him and continue pressing to him through prayer. So at that point, like I said, I made a total surrender in my heart and in my life, and that was what brought the change in. And so on September 1st, 2012, I was baptized. I died. (laughs) Nevertheless, I live. And it's Christ that now lives within me. And you know what? That day, I was so excited to be baptized. I got baptized in the Battle Creek in South Dakota, and um, that town there is called Hermosa, and it's true because it's so beautiful. And um, I was so excited to be baptized that I was thinking, okay, dunk me, dunk me, dunk me. He's holding up his hand, and he's saying, I now baptize you. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think take a deep breath, right? And the creek water was a lot colder than I expected. Well, when I went down in that water and I didn't have a good breath in my lungs, my diaphragm went, and I sucked in a bunch of creek water, and I came out choking, choking water out of my lungs. And, um, you know, I... When I, ever since I started sharing this, this testimony, I always share that point. And at first I was like, why do I say that? That's really embarrassing, you know? And I didn't really know why I shared it at first. But I think it's important for, us to, for me to share this because sometimes we think it's going to be perfect and easy, and sometimes it's not. And sometimes we struggle. I said, even when I'm dying, I'm still trying to live. And we're going to talk more about that journey tomorrow. 
Even if it's a struggle, even if it's a challenge, that's okay because it's better to be choking and living than to just give over and to take in that water and to live in that sin that will only bring us death. So Christ is faithful when he promises in Philippians 1 verse 6 that we can be confident of this very thing. If there's nothing else in the world that we can be confident of, we can be confident of this very thing. That he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And so on that day that I was baptized, I entered into a new covenant with the Lord. And all day before my baptism, I wore a red dress. And all day after my baptism, I wore a white dress. I wanted that to be an object lesson of the cleansing that God had given me in my life, of the work that God had done to make me a new creature and to wash me pure. And I believed that he had made me pure. And I, and I said, Lord, I want, to be, I want to be spiritually and mentally and physically pure. Lord, I want you to wash me sexually pure. And I want you to keep me because I can't keep myself. And now that I have your hand to hold on to, I know my promises are just like ropes of sand, but I want to hold on to your hand, Lord, and I know that you can keep me. And I don't even want to kiss someone until my wedding day because I know how slippery of a slope that is. And I want you to establish me in this beautiful level of purity within this safety zone so that I can experience it the way that you designed it. And I want you to keep me in this walk of purity. So it is possible, no matter what level of sin that you fall into, it is possible if you hand your life over to God for him to live out his will within you. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So maybe there's something in your life today, something that you're realizing that that is standing in between you and the Lord. You're realizing that God has been calling you to lay this thing down, but you haven't been able to do it because you haven't been fully surrendering and and fully trusting in him to do it. But today you have a newfound courage in his ability to do it for you. And, And today you just want to say, Lord, I lay this at your feet. And I need you to take it from me because I cannot give it. If today you just want to acknowledge to the Lord that that's the place of surrender that you're at, and you want, to, you want to acknowledge to all of the angels in this room that are ready to move forward and help you if you just ask. If that is your commitment today and you want to say, Lord, I'm surrendering this to you and I'm asking you to walk me forward in this victory, I want to ask you to stand. And not just because everyone else is standing, I want you to stand because this is the commitment that you are making today to the Lord, that you are going to hand this over to him. Amen. Amen. God sees your commitment today. He hears your humble cry, and he knows what you're struggling with. He's just been waiting for you to ask because he has all the resources of heaven at your disposal if you will just ask. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I want to thank you so much for the ways in which you are the source of our victory. 
because I, I think that I can safely say that each one of us in this room have experienced that journey of not being able to experience victory of our own strength. It's not by might nor by power, but it's by your spirit. Lord, that's what you said. And Lord, you've given us so many promises. You've given us so much direction. And so, Lord, today we just want to enter into the experience of moving forward with you. And so, Lord, we we lay this at your feet. We lay our lives at your feet. We want to be a living sacrifice, Lord. We want to surrender every member of our body and mind and soul to you to be used for your kingdom. Lord, we ask you to give us the power not to use it for self-gratification anymore because we see that it only leaves us empty. And so, Lord, as I prayed that night, when I saw it from your perspective, Lord, each and every one of us who are standing, who have seen a little bit more of your perspective today, we just want to surrender this thing to your life, in our life, to you, Lord. And we submit to your inner working with us. Lord, don't let this just be superficial. Don't let this just be a mind decision. Let this be a deep-rooted decision that that yields fruit in our lives, Lord. Help us to continue to make this sacrifice and this surrender, not just today when this message is fresh in our minds, but every single time the temptation comes in, Lord, we invite you now to bring back the remembrance of this conviction and this truth and this clear picture in the face of temptation, Lord, as we turn to you. So, Lord, help us to walk in newness of life today and help us by faith to believe and know that this change is happening. It has happened and it will continue to happen as long as we keep walking with you and keep our hand in yours. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.